It is power to the pod here on this final episode of the week of Locked on Dolphins. All the things that you guys want to talk about as the fan base are the things that we're going to be diving into here on today's show. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Uh, today is Saturday, March 25th. Usually this is a Friday, March 24th edition. And when we say your team every day here on the Locked On Network, we usually mean it unless I come down with a gnarly case of food poisoning on which I did not leave the couch all day yesterday. I'll spare you guys the details, but we're back on the men, and that means we are here to talk about all of the things that are most pressing to you as the fan base, as we always do on the mailbag episode of Locked on Dolphins. So uh, all of our topics today are curated from you, the fan base, the listeners of Locked on Dolphins. Uh, you can listen to Locked on Dolphins anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can also catch the video version on YouTube as well, and... With that in mind, we got a whole bunch of questions lined up, excited to dive in, and uh, we're going to start with DJ Fluker, right? DJ Fluker, the offensive tackle, worked out at the Alabama Pro Day, uh, was with the Dolphins in 2021, didn't really work out, he got injured, uh, but he looks to be in great shape, and there's a number of questions that I had received on DJ Fluker, and I'll just read the one from Macho because he sums up, sums up what everybody wants to know. Do you have any interest in DJ Fluker? <laughs> I think this is the exact kind of, I don't want to say lottery ticket, but it's the right kind of move for the Dolphins with what they have at their disposal right now. And DJ Fluger wouldn't prevent you if you get on the board at 51 or you get into the draft on draft weekend and the tackle slides down the board and he's a guy you feel really fits your system. If you wanted to go up and get him, you could, right? Uh, it's not prohibitive to the same way in which signing Jawan Taylor for $20 million a year or Mike McGlinchey for $17.5 million per year. I mean, those are commitments. You're into that guy. And that's the hard part about free agency happening in the NFL before the draft is you you... You get a chance to, to make your big money declarations first, but you'd almost like to know the way the draft is going to shake out before you make some of those big investments and big commitments. Um, I would absolutely be interested in signing Fluker uh, on a one-year deal and probably one or two million dollars and see what he's got. Let him come in and compete. I don't know if DJ Fluker and his strengths as a an offensive lineman historically throughout his time as an NFL player uh, really mirror the best of what the Dolphins needed offensive tackle. But it's certainly somebody that if you want to infuse competition and Fluker's looking to prove he could still play, he's got a lot to play for. Uh, yes, I would not sign DJ Fluker and expect the right tackle issue to be resolved, but I would certainly give ample consideration to signing DJ Fluker. Uh, so that's in, in my mind, the right kind of spirit of um, what the Dolphins should be exploring at this stage in free agency. Now we had another question from Beach, Shane, uh, and it's about another NFL veteran who is a free agent. 
Jarvis Landry is a free agent. Can't imagine he's too expensive at this point. He's also one of my favorite fins. Would it make sense to bring him back and have him as a slot guy? I love juice. I want to be abundantly clear. Um, but I don't know how much juice has left in the tank. Um, Jarvis was never a player from an athleticism standpoint. He won because of fundamentals and technique and toughness and effort. Um, but especially in this offense, which is so predicated on run after catch. I mean, Jarvis was a four, six guy when he came out of LSU. Oh, now he's, a what it was 13, 14 draft class, 14. So, I mean, you're, you're talking almost a decade in the league now. So I think with Braxton Berrios here, I think with Erica Zucama as a, a mid-round draft selection who they, they obviously really like uh, with the two roster cornerstones that you have. I don't think Jarvis Landry at this stage in his career gives me enough to want to invest in him because once you're down past wide receiver three and a half, like you got to be a teams guy. And I don't think Jarvis is going to play a lot of teams and kick coverage for the Dolphins. So I would probably pass on Jarvis personally. Kyle Huff wants to know um, UDFA gems. We found UDFA gems in Nick Needham and Cater Kohu. Do you think we could find any UDFA gems in this draft cycle? If so, who are you hoping we could sign? Well, I, I can't give you names just yet because obviously we're, we're about a month away from the draft. So uh, finalizing what that is going to look like uh, and, and who those guys are who are going to fall out of the range of being drafted is, is a little early to tell. Uh, we're still, uh, the league is still in the process of curating all those thoughts. Um, but what I would say is this, the Dolphins will, I would imagine, be pretty aggressive with UDFAs. Now, they have a couple things working for them. The situation, the, the caliber of the roster, um, the location. There's going to be some spots, I would imagine, where they're going to have a potential promise of playing time opportunities to, to get onto the roster. I would imagine tight end would be one where you know, perhaps you, unless they sign another veteran between now and the start of the draft, you could get a guy either in the draft or after the draft and say, hey, look, Tanner Connor came in and made this roster last year. You know, we have a tight end three spot that's kind of up in the air. Um, and then there's also the component of signing bonuses and, and being able to compete on the the financial market for these UDFAs and uh, the Dolphins have been a team who has an owner who's not afraid to spend. And if you're not afraid to spend, you can give a little bit more of a signing bonus as an incentive. Without the draft picks at their disposal, I think Miami will be competitive for anybody that they want who doesn't get drafted. Uh, our next question comes from Jay. Is it better for the Dolphins to add pieces to the offensive line and run it back or keep the O-line and add an elite running back? It's an interesting question. Uh, because I do think to some degree, you know, that the running back position does get a little bit of a tough break uh, for, for being marginalized as, uh, I don't want to say turnkey, but the, the position valuation is just not to the degree and standard of some other positions across the roster. And that's understandable when you see guys who are UDFAs or low-round picks that come in and run behind a good offensive line. But 
I think you have to be honest with what you have, right? And I look at the Dolphins' offensive line, and I feel like you have three quality starters or better. You've got two young guys who are on rookie contracts who are going to be here. You just signed Dan Fino in a one-year, three-and-a-quarter-million-dollar deal. Sounds like he's going to compete somewhere. I would imagine center, left guard, potentially move Connor back to the left guard. Like, I would imagine that that is all in play. But the line has not been a strength, so having a player who has, in, in the backfield, who is an elite talent in some capacity, whether that's vision or explosiveness, uh, can, can certainly make life easier on the line and the offense all the same. I don't know that there's a guy, unless you trade for Derrick Henry slash Austin Eckler, I don't know that there's a guy out there for the Dolphins to acquire at this point that would be considered an elite player who would bring a different trait than largely what the group that you have in the stable and the committee already has. And I think with the Dolphins moving the way that they have with their running back personnel and the decisions that they've made in signings, I think they're probably kind of telling you what their thoughts are on that direction as well. But we'll see. You know, a lot can obviously change and in the same way that you might sign Cedric Wilson and then suddenly Tyreek Hill's available. If the cost is too good to pass up, the, the cost is too good to pass up. We're going to continue talking about the Dolphins offense next year on the show, but not before I talk to you about our friends over at Built. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have your favorite bar puff, and it's now time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote on your favorites. When you vote on your favorite bar puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one locked-on listener will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly, straight to your door. You got to try Built. It is the best protein bar. It's high, high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. They're like 130 calories. It's a life hack you didn't know you needed, and it's Built. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Our next question. Comes from, let's see, I wanted to lead with a certain one here. Jordan, as things currently stand with the running backs in the offensive line, the talking points right now, um, outside of call more run plays, what do you see right now as the roadmap to ensuring an effective and complimentary run game next season? Uh, the position that you didn't mention, the tight ends. And I think Eric Saubert's a step in the right direction. I don't think that position is resolved, however. I would expect right now one of those two uh, day two picks that the Dolphins currently have to be a tight end, somebody who can block. Like if people think about the tight end, and you think about the um, the Mark Andrewses of the world, you think about all of the Darren Wallers of the world, you think about the Travis Kelseys of the world, they're great. That's not what this offense is going to have. This offense needs a guy who can play with his hand in the dirt and move defensive linemen and firmly win the point of attack. That is the roadmap. It has to be better because it was a liability last year, if we're being honest. So when I think about what's next for the Dolphins offense, 
what that evolution looks like, how you're more well-rounded. Yes, the Dolphins are going to have to build more counter punches onto their core concepts and principles, and I would expect that that's not exactly the same. I'd like to see them get back more into the perimeter screen game. Uh, they did that a lot early in the year. They had the a couple touchdowns early in the season with perimeter screens, and then it felt like they kind of got away from it. Uh, looking for them to get the screen game back running again. But that position is the key to you getting the running game going, to having the balance that you need to go six-man protection and have protection hold up more consistently. That entire element of the offense needs to be dramatically better. So when I think about what needs to be better, um, that's that's where my brain starts. Now, Emmy asks, can you explain what you expect from a tight end in our current offense? Uh, yeah, and I... Uh, having just laid out the bones of it, functional strength, high fundamentals of an inline tight end position, uh, the ability to block both in the passing game and in pass protection. Uh, th there are a number of players across the league who have been productive players by being the counterpunch, right? Or the tendency breaker. And the Dolphins didn't really have a tendency breaker there because they... The, the presence of Mike made it very evident what they were planning on doing on any given down. So somebody who can line up, and I don't expect you to beat man coverage. No, that's a nice element to have, but it's really secondary versus what else we need from the tight end position in this offense. I don't need you to run away from, from man coverage and create explosive plays in the passing game. I need you to be a reliable underneath presence on third down to sit down against holes in zone coverage. I need toughness. I need concentration catches. I need good hands. I need you to be able to know how to use your body to box out defenders at the catch point because you're going to be an underneath receiver uh, who you might delay release because you're blocking initially or you're going to chip release and then get out into your route. But be a reliable high traffic receiver underneath and then win the point of attack in the running game and have good fundamentals to block and protect in um, the pass protection element. And that's a player that's probably not going to command more than 40 targets across a full sample size of, of 17 and hopefully more games. But that's what this offense needs with the talent that's being collected elsewhere across the roster. And what you do with that is, is really going to hopefully open you up. Um, kind of in the same spirit, had a couple questions in this regard and uh, evolving the Dolphins offense. This one comes from Trey. And Trey, I appreciate the shout out for... Uh, a suggestion on what else to call you because I definitely couldn't call you what your Twitter name is. Uh, where do you see this offense evolving next year? Where else can Mike McDaniel take the offense? Do you think they will still maintain the finesse style or add a more physical style to supplement it? So this is interesting um, because I think about the Dolphins offense and I think about Mike McDaniel and his connection to the McVay, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. And just thinking about, and I, I believe it was Benjamin Solak that wrote this story 
uh, last year, but it was how kind of the McVeigh and Shanahan branches kind of split and went in two different directions. And I think the McDaniel one is is one that is going to go in its own direction as well and continue to get its own flavor. But really, whether it shades the McVeigh style or the Shanahan style is um, to be determined. But it, statistically speaking, it's going to either fade towards more of one or the other. And the Rams have become more of an inside zone team. And the Shanahan still on that outside zone team. But even the Shanahan offense, you think about what the vision was when they had the draft class in which they traded up and drafted Trey Lance. What they did was they pursued Trey Lance. They acquired the third overall pick from the Dolphins and drafted Trey Lance, who was a quarterback who had a lot of QB power elements, was very much a runner as a quarterback as well. And then they drafted, in the same draft class, they drafted Trey Sermon at running back, and then they also drafted Elijah Mitchell at running back, and both of those were inside zone caliber players. And then they drafted Aaron Banks at guard. And all of that felt like it was, as they were evolving, looking to have a quarterback run game element that could run downhill at you. And kind of the continued evolution of of what they are doing, uh, that's a really good example of how I would expect you will see this Dolphins offense continue to evolve. But if the Dolphins offense is going to continue to evolve in being uh, a continued more passing-heavy team, which I don't blame them when they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as the talent that's at your disposal. Um, it's more about building principles off of that. So I think right now for Miami, you got to address those problem areas up front between tight end and, and your two problem spots on your offensive line. And then the question is, okay, what are we best suited to do? And I think what they are, their answer will that will be is they are best suited to really continue to attack teams with the speed elements of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell as the identity of the offense. And and how what else you can build and pivot off of that is going to be the really fascinating component of watching this offense uh, continue to evolve. Uh, Eli wants to know, if Tua's camp called me tomorrow, what would the focus of his off-season training program be? what's really interesting is the footwork elements and the timing elements and, and to it when he was at his best, even going back to Alabama had crisp footwork and, and move within the pocket pretty well. But we saw throughout the course of, especially that 2021 season, um, it felt like to his body was behind his eyes at times as a passer. And I thought that got better this year. Obviously, this is a much more timing-oriented offense. He's encouraged to throw to a spot and trust your receiver. And uh, I think back to the touchdown pass to River Craycraft against the Bills in Week 3 is a great example of that where you know he's getting boxed, but we're going to put it exactly where it needs to be. And he's going to get out of his break and he's going to beat the defender of the ball and then we're going to score a touchdown. And that's exactly what they did. So I'm much more comfortable now as far as Tua from a a fundamentals and a timing standpoint. Uh, I think generally speaking, his arm strength is what it is. It's sufficient. It's not ever going to be on the top three punch list of qualities of Tua as a a player that, that you really get excited about, but it's sufficient. 
Um, I would say the only thing that obviously aside of the, the injuries, which they are working on, uh, with their own plan, the bit, the bit of feedback that I would give and encourage would be, you know, continuing to embrace the easy completions underneath if what you are looking for is not there. And I think that in turn for Tua can really help to alleviate excessive hits, uh, can alleviate removing negative plays within the offense. But if it's second and 10, I would rather have third and seven, especially in this offense with you throwing a check down underneath than third and 13 because we tried to make something extra happen and took a hit and took a sack. So does that continued embracing of the scheduled throws and checkdowns underneath would, would probably be the one thing that I would be looking for to, uh, to uh, continue to add uh, and reinforce into his game as a quarterback. We're going to talk about a couple of quote-unquote new prospects for the Dolphins, prospects we haven't talked about much here on Locked on Dolphins. That is next here on the show. But before we get there, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet does not hit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today. Claim your no-sweat first bet. And you can wager on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. Uh, all on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. So don't miss your shot in the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Okay. I had somebody ask me about Sean Tucker running back at a Syracuse. I like Sean Tucker. I'm going to be honest. Um, the questions for Sean Tucker, uh, if you're not familiar with him, I, I guess I should probably give you the pound on your keys so you can hear me uh, know that I'm genuinely pulling up the bio. This is a 5'10", 215, 210-pound running back from Syracuse. Uh, two-year starter uh, for the Orange. He's been a productive player all three years. He has 3,800 rushing yards, averaging 5.8 yards per touch in his three years with Syracuse. Uh, he had a, I'm going to use air quotes here, down year this year uh, with 1,300 yards and 242 touches uh, with 13 touchdowns. He had 14 touchdowns in 2021 and over 1,750 for total yards from scrimmage. Sprinter speed. He's got electric speed. Um, and at his size, it's, it's kind of a fun blend. The challenge and the, the question that I have with Sean Tucker and what I, I'm not sure makes him a great fit for Miami is the thing that I think he, he doesn't have the best of is vision and anticipation as a runner and a ball carrier. And I think about this offense, I think about the zone prevalence that does exist, and... I think that's part of what makes Raheem Mostert so good for this system is he has the speed to press the edge, but he also has the anticipatory vision to feel the second level and understand where the cutoffs are and get north. Um, so 
you're going to get to a certain point in the draft, and if Sean Tucker's there, you're going to say, yeah, this is probably too good to pass up. But the question is, you're talking about a team that has a two, a three, a six, and a seven. I think the area and the range in which Sean Tucker becomes a, a landing spot for the Dolphins that's too good to pass up. Right now, they don't have picks in. So you're kind of in the void where you'd either need to take him in the third round or you need him to slide all the way to the sixth. And I don't think either one of those is probably, probably. I think there's an outside realm that he could be a top 100 pick. But it's a really good running backs class. And um, I don't have a ton of conviction that he will definitely be there. So that's kind of the, the book on Sean Tucker as a prospect. And that came from uh, Syracuse. Sarah Abraham. That's a nice little wordplay there, Sarah. Props is good. Um, and then the other one that we had was Brenton Strange. We had a question come in about Brenton Strange. And I'm a big fan of Brenton Strange. He goes to Penn State. He's a tight end. Uh, very, very pleasant run-after-catch elements to his game. And, of course, I'm going to lead with the... Um, the skill set that I just got done when we talked about tight ends was more of a secondary component of playing the position. But here's what I'll say about Brenton Strange. Um, plus, plus, plus athlete. He's got prototypical stature for the position. He's 6'3", 260 pounds. Um, was a complementary element of the passing game at Penn State. More so of an afterthought. They've had a lot of really good wide receivers at Penn State during his time there, uh, including this past year. Uh, he peaked at 33 receptions, or 32 receptions. He had 32 receptions this year. Uh, five touchdowns. Um, you want to see what Brenton Strange can do. You'd want to go back and look at this year's Penn State-Purdue game and, and see the big play that he made uh, down the sideline at the end of the first half of that contest. Um, but, but this is a player who, at Penn State, they're an offense that has always wanted to run the ball. They are an offense who's had quarterbacks who run the ball that, you know, they, they're between Sean Clifford and it's not out of the realm of possibility that this is a player who's been groomed uh, to play the position in the manner in which the Dolphins are going to need a tight end to play the position. So Brenton Strange, again, this is the hard part. And that's why some of these players haven't, we haven't really gotten into yet. Um, same kind of deal as Sean Tucker. I think the third might be a little early. I don't think it'd be crazy for him to go in the third round with his athletic profile and his stature and his ability to play in line. But it might be a little early, and he definitely won't be in there in the sixth round. So that's for Miami's sake. Like, man, I, I hope they figure out whatever moves they need to make to facilitate to get some extra draft capital. Kind of, I think that sweet spot is third and fourth round. I really do. Now, if you're giving up a third and Hunter Long for Jalen Ramsey, yeah, you, you made the right move for the cost of that pick. You know, when we were hearing that might be two second-round picks, that, that's a different story. But that'll be the challenge for Miami as they continue to move forward. Um, I had a bunch more questions that come in, and I, I appreciate you guys um, uh, who all sent your questions in. Uh, I'm thinking we might get a bonus episode again next week. And, and if I didn't get to your question, um, just know that I'm, I'm planning on, on coming back and we'll, we'll do some extra. Uh, with with power to the pod next week but i am uh i'm feeling it a little bit uh as we um we're continuing to be on the men from what kept us from getting power to the pod out uh, on friday as was originally scheduled so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this here for today i want to thank you guys for making locked on dolphins a part of your daily routine i appreciate all of you guys 
you can find Locked On Dolphins on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure to keep it locked in on Locked On Dolphins here on the Locked On Network, your team, every day. Fins up, make it a great day, and I'll talk with you all again on Monday.